Hi, and welcome to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge with Senior Ministers John and Anne Juliano. Have you ever wondered about how to better connect with God? Well, that's exactly what we're going to help you with in this week's show, where you'll learn how to more fully love God, grow spiritually, and help others. Wow. If you have your Bibles, would you open to John chapter 11? John chapter 11. My message this morning is entitled, Where Were You When I Needed You? Where were you when I needed you? How many times have we said, Lord, if only you'd been there, this wouldn't have happened? How many times have we said that? Lord, if only you'd been there, this would not have happened. John chapter 11 is a fascinating chapter in the Bible. It's the, it's the story of the death of Lazarus, but it's also the story of the resurrection of Lazarus. But most of the chapter is taken up with uh, the story of his death, not the story of his resurrection. And so let's, let's read, uh, well, let's read the whole, not the whole chapter, but let's read segments from the chapter. Let's read the first six verses first. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his hair, his feet with her hair. What's interesting is that one of the translations actually said massaged his feet. I, I love that whole concept that not only did she anoint his feet and wipe them with her hair, but actually massaged his feet. And whose brother, Lazarus, was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, for the Son of God may be glorified through him. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he went straight away. Is that what it says? What does it say? It says, now when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. He delayed. He purposely delayed. Let's read now from verse 17. It says, so when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Lazarus had died while Jesus delayed. He was in the tomb four days Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. Many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, here it is, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. In other words, if only you'd been here, this wouldn't have happened. If only you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. Now let's turn to verse 25 and 26. Jesus said to her, here it is, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, she who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? 
How many of you believe that? How many of you heard this scripture at so many funerals? I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, yet though he die, yet shall he live. Then let's move on to verses 43 and 44. And when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave cloths and his face was wrapped with a cloth and Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Do you know that if I was writing the script of my life, if I was writing the story for my life, I think I would write a script devoid of of pain, suffering, and death. How many of you would join me in writing a script? If you, if you could write the script of your life, it would be, and he lived happily ever after. Uh, how many of you would have that in the script of your life? But how many of you know that the real script of your life has a lot of pain, suffering, and death in it? Why does that happen? I'm going to try to answer that a little bit today. I'm going to try to to help you um, just navigate through the tough things that happen to us in life because, because they happen and they happen too often. And maybe right now the script of your life is full of pain and suffering. So, so, so let's, let's look at this story because there's some life lessons that we need to learn and we only learn them when we go through the fire, when we're in the fire, as the song that we sang this morning was all about going through the fire. When we're in the fire, he's with us. But sometimes it feels that he's not. Sometimes it feels that he's away. Sometimes it feels, where were you when I needed you? Now, you know what's interesting about this whole passage is that the, the writer, John the Apostle, the writer of this passage, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, goes to great lengths to underline how much Jesus loved these people. Great lengths. Great lengths. This is the town of Mary and Martha. This is the one, Mary, who anointed the feet of Jesus, massaged his feet. You know, this is the one. Then, then it goes, and, and, and this is, these are the people that Jesus loved. You know, Mary, Martha, and her brother Lazarus. Matter of fact, it's, it's known right across. This is the man that you loved. Matter of fact, even the Jews said, didn't he love this man? Surely, if, if Jesus had been here, he is the one who opened the eyes of the blind. This man wouldn't have died. He was known as the man who Jesus loved, the family who Jesus loved. Matter of fact, whenever Jesus went to Jerusalem, he'd stop at their home and stay in their home and minister in their home. These were friends of Jesus. And then the message goes out from Mary and Martha to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, Jesus, you, you, just, just, would you come? Would you come? Because the one who you love, my brother, is sick. Would you come? And Jesus delayed. So here's the first life lesson. I'm going to share with you five life lessons that we learn from this story. The first life lesson, I want you to write this down. Are you ready for this? Sometimes God allows things to die. Sometimes God allows things to die. It's 
one of the life lessons that we have to learn to deal with. How do we cope when death comes? How, you know, this is one of the things with us as Pentecostals, faith people. I believe in miracles. I love the fact that the prime minister, newly elected, first thing he said when he got on stage was, I believe in miracles. A true Pentecostal, I believe in miracles. How many of you, how many of you can say the same thing? I believe in miracles. I, I think it's a wonderful thing. But sometimes because we believe in miracles, we don't do death well. Sometimes we're trying to grab hold of the miracle and not understand that sometimes God allows things to die. Many, many, and, and, and life is full of death. Matter of fact, every time there's a new season, the, there's the death of an old season. And so right now, you're looking at the trees and they're becoming devoid of leaves. It's a sign that a season is over. Now, where there are so many things in our lives that we accept, yeah, that's the end of a season. We accept that, especially when it comes to the end of, of summertime. We accept that because we've gotten used to it. But there are so many things that we can't get used to because we want to hang on. We want to hang on. But I, we, we've got to do death well. And, and one of the things that Anne has given herself to in our many decades of ministry is to help train pastors and train leaders on how to do death well. And, and so, many, so many opportunities have come to us where we've actually gone to deathbed situations and have said, you know what? It's time to say goodbye to this world and hello to the next world. And so we don't do death well if we don't understand that there's hello to the next world. We only do, we, we, we fight to stay alive if we don't understand what's on the other side. We stay, we fight to stay alive and to try to keep this season if we don't have anticipation that there's something better on the other side. When we don't understand that, yes, winter is coming, but after winter is summer. There's something good in front of us. There's something better. Then, then, then we fight to hang on. And sometimes God says, no, you've got to let go of this in anticipation for what's ahead. You've got to learn to do death well you got to learn to let go and stop 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 feeling the grief and only the grief when there's no anticipation of the glory that's about to come how do we recognize the end of a season and do it well how do we celebrate the end of a season? One of the things that we love to do at this church is to celebrate people's lives. And so when we do, you know, when we do the funeral of someone, we try to do a celebration of their life rather than, well, this is just a mourning session. No, this is a celebration session to be able to celebrate a life that's done well. And I love doing the funeral of a Christian. You know, I cry as well because there's, there's always tears at the end of a season, but there's incredible anticipation that one day we will be reunited. That's the hope of the church. We live with this incredible hope that death has lost its sting, that Jesus has removed the sting of death and we can do it well. And many times God actually prepares us by allowing death to come our way. One of the life lessons that God wants to teach us through this story is how do we do death well? Not just how do we do life well, how do we do death well? 
And so Anne and I have gone through many um, death experiences in our own lives, not only of loved ones, but of visions and dreams. Um, to, do, to do death well. To, I can still remember going to a hospital where one of my associates were expecting a baby, but the baby was still born. And, and, uh, and he handed me his beautiful little baby. It was still born. And, and, and I held that little baby in my arms and, and it, was, it just ripped my heart out because we had little babies ourselves. And this little baby was still born. And and uh, and I and I looked at him, and and he was saying. His eyes were asking questions. There was no words coming out of his mouth because it, there was this incredible hope. And and as I held this baby in my arms, I looked at him and I said, "You know, I don't have any words, but all I know is that this baby never knew any pain or suffering. All this baby ever knew was love, and now it's in the presence of love forever and ever." That's the only way we can cope with death is to understand that there's hope and we need to do it well. And it's one of the life lessons. Let me tell you another life lesson that we learned from this story is this. Here it is. Write this down. God's lack of intervention does not mean lack of interest. Let me say it again. God's lack of intervention does not mean lack of interest. He delayed, but it didn't mean that he wasn't interested. And sometimes what happens is that we interpret God's delays as God's lack of interest. When God doesn't intervene, it means he's not interested. That's, that's a lie. God is always interested in you. It's, it's, it's this. It's, it's sometimes the only things that we can learn from are the things that we face. And if we're not facing things, then we don't develop, we don't learn, we don't mature, we don't become wise. Your wisdom does not come in your happiness. Your wisdom comes in what you confront and how you confront your dilemmas in life. See, God's more interested in your development than your happiness. We're more interested in our happiness. God's more interested in your development. And if everything always goes right for you, 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 you become a spoilt little child. You've got to literally confront things in life to get the wisdom of life. And I'm, I'm telling you, one of the greatest ways for you to spoil your children is never confront them with anything. Just give them everything they want, whenever they want it, how they want it, and you will spoil, you will destroy your child. They will become little emperors big time. But if you confront your children... You confront your, 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 your teenagers with responsibility. You, you create pain in their life. You create pain in order for them to, to earn their gain. I guarantee, I guarantee that they'll develop. If, if they want something, get them to earn it rather than giving it to them. Yes, of course you've got it. And it's easy for you to give it to them. But get them to earn it. Say, yeah, I'll give you this, but this is the cost. You've got to do this, 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 this. No, I don't want to do that, 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 that. Well, this is the principle of life, that for you to earn, you've got to have a cost attached to it. And you 
create wisdom in their lives. You, you create development in their lives. Don't destroy your children by giving them everything they want when they want it. You will destroy them. You will not create maturity and strength in them. You'll cause them to become little emperors. Wah, wah, wah. Me, me, me. It's all about me and life and destroy them. And what God does, he confronts us with stuff to create development in our lives. Just because he doesn't intervene when we want him to intervene does not mean that he's not interested. Matter of fact, he shows interest in wanting your development. Amen? Can anybody say amen to that? Third life lesson in this is this. Just because there's no miracle at the beginning doesn't mean that there's not going to be a miracle at the end. Just because there's not a miracle at the beginning. See, they wanted the miracle at the beginning. God had the miracle at the end in mind. But they wanted it at the beginning. Just because there's, a miracle, there's no miracle at the beginning doesn't mean that there's no miracle at the end. See, I believe in miracles. Can anybody say, I believe in miracles? But sometimes the miracle doesn't come when we want it to come. It comes later on. <coughs> And that's one of the frustrating things in life is that we want the miracle now. And God says, it's not going to happen now, but it will happen. But I want it to happen now. It's not going to happen now. But Jesus is the person that you love. If you can be here, you can do the miracle. Yes, I can, but not now. Everybody say, not now. It doesn't mean no. It means not now. See, too often we interpret the not now as no. But not now doesn't mean no. It means not now. And so just because God says not now doesn't mean no. Just because God says no miracle now doesn't mean no miracle later. And you've got to grab hold of this and live in the faith that God is going to turn things around. God's going to turn things around. And here's the word that God gave them. Your brother will rise again. Not now, but he will. Your brother will rise. Okay, but Lord, we believe that on the resurrection of the dead, then he's going to rise. Yes, but I'm going to do a miracle even before that. See, see, God's passion and desire is this, that he's going to bring life out of your shattered pieces. He's going to bring restoration out of your destruction. He's going to bring hope out of your hopelessness. He's going to bring breakthrough out of your brokenness. And too often we look at our brokenness and we say, the brokenness has happened because you're not there. And God says, I'm going to create, I'm going to create breakthrough out of your brokenness. So often we can look at our hopelessness and say, God, you haven't given a miracle and it's hopeless. And God says, I'm going to bring hope out of the hopelessness. So often we can look at our destruction and say, God, everything around me is destroyed. And God is saying to you, I'm going to bring restoration out of your destruction. I'm going to turn it around. Just wait. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Don't lose faith. Don't lose hope. It's going to happen. Just because there's no miracle now doesn't mean there's not going to be any miracle later. Here's the fourth life lesson we learn out of this. I love this. The fourth life lesson is this. Get the right message echoing in your heart. Get the right message echoing in your heart. So Mary and Martha were talking to each other and they got this message that resonated in their spirit. And so Martha was the first one to articulate it to Jesus in verse 21. She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And they talked it through. They talked it through. 
They talked this negative message through. Because Martha in verse 32 says exact, sorry, Mary in verse 32 says exactly the same words. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And so they rehearsed the message. Lord, if only you'd been here, this wouldn't have happened. Lord, if only you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. And this message resonated in their heart. What message is resonating in your heart? What's, what's echoing within your spirit today? Lord, I'm in this mess, and if you'd been there, it wouldn't have happened. I asked for a miracle, and you haven't provided it, and now it's a mess, and there's nothing anybody can do about it. And it resonates, and what happens with that message, resentment is closely attached to it. You know what's interesting about this story? What's interesting about this story is that when Jesus came to Bethany, one of the sisters ran to meet Jesus, the other one stayed at home. Isn't that interesting? So, so knowing the two sisters, which one would you have said would run to Jesus and which one would have stayed at home? How many of you have said Martha would have run to Jesus? How many of you have said Mary would have run to Jesus? But in actual fact, it was exactly the opposite. Martha ran to Jesus, Mary stayed at home. Why did Mary stay at home? I'm telling you, there was just this resentment on the inside. Lord, if only you'd been here, this wouldn't have happened. And sometimes what happens is this, is that we can actually bury resentment in our spirit towards God. We can get so disappointed with God that we bury the disappointment because our theology has a layer of thought, no, I can't say that. But then our spirit gets resentment because, because we're rehearsing the wrong words. And, and, it's, and it's during this passage that, that, that we have the shortest verse in the Bible. How many of you know that the shortest verse in the Bible is actually in this chapter, John eleven thirty five? 35? Who's memorized the shortest verse in the Bible? Come, tell me the shortest verse in the Bible is what? There you go. You've got it. You've memorized Scripture. Jesus wept. Now, what's interesting is that there is so much interpretation as to why Jesus wept. But can I just say to you, Jesus knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. I, I, I don't think for one minute he was weeping at the grief of the death of Lazarus because he was just about to raise him from the dead. If you know you're going to raise someone from the dead, you're anticipating, hey, everybody, get excited. Not you crying your eyes out. Do you, know, do you know why? Can I give you my interpretation of why I believe Jesus wept? Why I believe Jesus wept was, was because he wanted them to rehearse another thought. Did I not say to you, Jesus said in verse 40, did I not say to you that if you would only believe, you would see the glory of God? Isn't that what I said to you? Didn't I say to you, if only you would believe, if only you would believe, that's, that's the words that I want you to rehearse. If only you will believe, you will see the glory of God. If only you will believe, you'll see the glory of God. And their whole attitude, Lord, if only you'd been here, this wouldn't have happened. If only you'd been here, this wouldn't have happened. If only you'd believed, you'd see the glory of God. We can have someone come and play for me. If only you'd believe, you'd see the glory of God. If only you'd been here, this wouldn't have happened. If only you'd believed, you'd see the glory of God. And what's Jesus weeping? Jesus is weeping, I believe, because... His church is rehearsing the wrong words. 
They're rehearsing the words of disappointment rather than the words of hope and the words of God's going to turn this thing around. God's going to turn this thing around. He's going to turn this thing that I'm facing around. I'm not going to look at the disappointment and the grief of the death of this situation that is so dear to me and be filled with hopelessness and disappointment. God, if only you turned up, this would never have happened. If only you believe, you'll see the glory of God. You're going to see the turnaround. You're going to see the turnaround. You're going to see the turnaround. Come on, I'm looking across this auditorium and I'm seeing some of you with great, deep disappointment. Situations haven't turned out the way you wanted them to turn out. Can I just say, Anne and I have got disappointments in our life. When we got married nearly 39 years ago, we were looking at visions and future and family and lots of things. And we had our dreams and, and we're looking over decades and seeing not everything turned out the way we wanted them to turn out. And even now, there are certain things that we're still praying for that are not the way we wanted them to be. But you know what? We're not going to sit there in disappointment. If only you turned up, this wouldn't have. Maybe if we'd done something different, it wouldn't have happened. If only, oh my goodness, please don't torture yourself over that. I mean, how often would we looking at over our lives and think, boy, if I had another chance to do it, I'd do it differently. Anybody like that? Oh my goodness. But you know what? There's nothing in the past that I can change. But I'm not going to sit there in disappointment with God and saying, God, if only you turned up, this wouldn't have happened. I'm sitting here today in faith saying, God, if only you believe, you're going to see the glory of God and I'm going to see the glory of God. I can't change everything in my life, but I'm going to believe that you're going to turn up and you're going to turn things around and you're going to speak life into my death situation. You're going to speak life into that which has disappointed me. You're going to speak life into that which has brought grief into my life, tears into my life, pain into my life. Because the fifth life lesson that I want you to speak, that I want you to grab hold of, here it is. Decree and declare your new season. Jesus comes to the grave. He comes to that place of death. He comes to that place of grief. He comes to that place of sorrow. He comes to that place. If only you had turned up, my brother would have not died. He comes to those very words and he says, pull open the stone. Pull open that stone of death because I am about to do something. I am about to say something. I am about to decree and to declare that a new season is coming. And the Bible says, with a loud voice, Jesus spoke these words, Lazarus, come forth. And life came into the very bones of a dead man. Life came into a tomb of destruction. The Word of the Lord that created the universe. The Word of the Lord that brought light out of darkness. The Word of the Lord that created the seasons. The Word of the Lord that created beauty came into the very body of Lazarus and Lazarus came out of the grave alive for the glory of God. Did I not say if you would only believe you would see 
the glory of God. I want to speak into your situation today and say, come on, begin to decree and to declare that behold, He will make all things new. We've given you a bookmark that's in it's in your Bible, a bookmark that gives you things to decree and declare. And I want you to begin to decree and declare. I declare new things are coming my way. Maybe, maybe you've seen death and destruction in your life, but today let's decree that new things are coming your way. Maybe some of you have seen that God has been away, but today begin to declare that God is with me. God is with me and I have nothing to fear. Maybe some of you have seen, seen situations where family members have walked away from God. Maybe some of you are in situations right now where there's people in your life who are backslidden but begin to declare salvation for me and my family in the name of Jesus. Begin to declare it. (laughs) That my house may be filled that my house may be filled. That my house may be filled. It's not over yet. It's not over yet. It's not over yet. It's not over yet. Thanks for choosing to listen to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge. If you like this week's podcast, then please share it with a friend. More information about who we are is available at lifesource.org.au. On behalf of Senior Ministers John and Ann Giuliano, we look forward to connecting with you next time at the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge.